Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the Food Insight podcast where I, Kimberly Wilson, chartered psychologist and enthusiastic eater, take you through all things food, psychology and everything in between. In this episode, I'm breaking bread with Henrietta Inman. Henrietta is a pastry chef, author and cookery teacher who specialises in whole and heritage grain baking. After graduating with a distinction from the Professional Patisserie Scholarship at Westminster Kingsway College, she apprenticed at the prestigious five-star Lanesborough Hotel in London's Knightsbridge. She is the author of the book Clean Cakes, and her second book, The Natural Baker, is released in March. In this episode, we talk about the difficulties and controversies of applying the word clean to food. She also opens up about having an eating disorder and how she's reconciling her relationship with food. As a tiny side note, I think she touches here on a hidden epidemic of eating difficulties in the food industry, whether that's books and social media accounts that act as a cover for an eating disorder, or how the tough conditions in professional kitchens and the restaurant industry can lead chefs to self-soothe with food or alcohol. I think this is a really important conversation to have and one that certainly needs more attention. Henrietta is one of the gentlest, most self-effacing people I have ever met, and I found this conversation both brave and very touching, and I'm incredibly grateful to her for sharing part of her story with me and all of you. So here is my conversation with Henrietta Inman. Don't worry, just relax. (laughs) This won't hurt a bit. Okay. Um, I'm here with Henrietta Inman. Hello, Henrietta. Hello. Very nice to have you here. <laughs> Thanks um, for having me. We're having another Breaking Bread episode, so I'm really grateful to have you here in my office. It's lovely to see you anyway. Me um, too. <laughs> but let's kick off where we always kick off, which is with your meaningful food. So okay. what have you brought with you for us to share? Um, I've brought two things. Um they're meaningful in lots of different ways. Um, first is a uh, sort of, it's a brownie, um, but it's not just your usual brownie. It's made with, um, so it's uh, 100% dark chocolate and um, then it's got uh, coconut oil and coconut sugar and eggs and a naturally gluten-free flour called teff flour, um, which they use traditionally in Ethiopia for more for things like um is it called injera injera yeah, yeah. so they're sort of pancakes it's sort of there's one of their staple ingredients mm, it's a fermented uh, you know bread yeah eaten with stews yeah yeah mm. 
and then oh why did I what's I'm sure they do a pancake I think they might do yeah, a pancake it's, it's a oh flat, it is oh it's, it's okay a I've never so had it, it like but I need to mm. I really want to eat Ethiopian food <laughs> but um and then I think for sort of porridge and things like that but um there are a few companies that now bring it over to the UK I mainly in my because I'm a pastry chef so mainly in my work I like to use more UK grown grains but I think you know we've been importing importing food for years and years and years and it's you know if I know where it's from and I know the farmers are being supported then and I know that with this so and I love I use ingredients for their wonderful flavors and I found that Tef has this quite sort of molassesy flavor which is lovely with uh, really dark chocolate and then the coconut oil has quite a sort of lots of sort of vanilla notes um, and a natural sweetness as well um, and then the coconut sugar has a lovely caramel flavour um, so I suppose it's meaningful <laughs> to me it's sort of it's one of the recipes um, so I'm a pastry chef and I'm cla- trained very classically my whole sort of foundation is with white flour white sugar all the and learning all the wonderful things like Genoir and we did a bit of baking so croissant and everything like that Mousses, creams, crèmeux, all that, <laughs> everything like that. And I, I worked in kitchens about five years in London. Um, and then I moved back home to Suffolk where I grew up and started my own business. I've always wanted my own business. Sort of, I sort of feel like I'm slightly still getting there, which I hope will result in a cafe or restaurant one day. And I, I think it was sort of a mixture of being very tired, wanting to just sort of have a good rest and eat sort of good food, get like the good food I'd grown up with because we have a... My mother is an amazing gardener, so we've got a lovely vegetable garden. Um, and Suffolk is really known for its amazing food producers. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of wonderful produce around and it was just so nice to be back home and I have a rest from working quite long hours in kitchens and just sort of feed myself well again. Um, and... Because in kitchens, it's quite a bit of a um, sort of clash, really. You're making this amazing, delicious food for customers, yet the chefs are often, you know, mm. running around all day. And you sort of, particularly in one place I worked was an Italian restaurant. So it was mainly sort of pasta most days for lunch, which is a very good, you know, it's sort of slow burning carbohydrates and all that. It was very good. But you, you sort of do eat what you're given. And sometimes you're just so tired, you just sort of shove anything in your mouth. So it was nice to just be back home again and surrounded by all that lovely produce mm-hmm. and have that. And then I sort of slightly wanted to get those ingredients around me into my baking as well. So I started seeking out more local suppliers, so mm-hmm. local mills that had spelt and rye and wheat, um, local dairy farmers, every, and local sort of rapeseed oil producers who would cold press it so it's got all that lovely flavour as well um and so I started to experiment a bit more with my baking make it slightly more sort of a bit more natural in a way um and I just realised when I had these lovely sort of bases of whole grain flours and sort of more cold pressed oils and things that made so much more flavour and complexity and textures as well even though I love you know the traditional stuff Mm. I just realised starting, instead of starting with white flour and white sugar, which don't really have much flavour, they're great sort of canvases for layering on everything. But when you start with your canvas of the lovely sort of nutty whole grains and then 
rapeseed oil, which is very has a lovely earthy flavour. I think I'm going to repeat lovely a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to myself once on another radio programme and I said it about a hundred times within the space of five minutes, I think. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so I started to bake a bit more like that and just realised how, and also just not over-sweetening things. I think so often things are just too sweet. You can't really mm. taste what they're meant to actually taste of. It's so nice to actually taste the fruits or the chocolate or the coffee. Um, and then this brownie, it's also gluten and dairy free. And obviously the coconut sugar is a unrefined sugar. Um, when I started selling at farmer's markets, I realised a lot of people really wanted either... They were affected slightly by all the media and all mm. these sort of new books coming out or health whatever reports saying dairy-free is a better way to be or if you'll be healthier if you cut out gluten or mm. things like that. So I think people were either influenced by that, sadly, or um, they did actually have intolerances mm. to gluten and dairy. Um, so I used to sell at farmer's markets and they'd say, have you got any sort of free from stuff? So you used to get quite a lot of requests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I started testing out these new things like this teff flour. And I'd never baked with, you know, in, in a hotel. I worked, the first place I worked was the Lanesborough. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, afternoon tea and, you know, very traditional, but amazing things. But things like coconut oil and for baking wasn't really sort of heard of. So it was a real, it was great to sort of really broaden my the use of the ingredients I had and also just broaden the array of flavours and everything like that that I was getting into my um, work. And um, that led to my first book. It's called Clean Cakes. Um, and clean just means like pure and natural good stuff, but then it sort of got slightly... <laughs> so how did you mean it when you wrote Clean Cakes? Because I think it is, it's probably worth... Yeah, delineating that a little yeah. bit. No, I well because so is I think there's also a difference between a sort of gluten free flour blends, which are basically lots of starches, tapioca starch. It's basically sort of what normal white flour just converted into a gluten free flour, mm-hmm. tapioca starch, potato starch. It doesn't really have much flavour. I don't think the texture is that great. So I want I didn't want to use those. Um, that's what a lot of the stuff on the shelves in supermarkets use, and they're just not that satisfying um, I wanted to use more sort of nourishing and these whole grain the gluten the gluten-free whole grain flours so clean for me was you know and the cold pressed oils and things like that um clean actually my mother just when I was doing these inverted commas healthier or healthy cakes and patisserie my mother just said one day as a joke oh call, call them your clean cakes you know, I thought, okay, alliteration and things like that. And then uh, there's a really lovely graphic designer who lived up the road from us in the village that I grew up in and where I moved back to to start my business. Mm. She did a lovely sort of logo. And I think maybe also because it was in Suffolk, it wasn't in London where this whole thing was happening. So some people were a bit dubious of it, the word mm. clean. Some people liked it. I think the people who... And still, I, I don't, you know, Jamie Oliver uses it. I don't think it's a... I mean, I see the pros and cons, but for me it was never something extreme. It was just to describe these nice, pure, sort of not heat-treated oils and less processed flowers, just keeping their brown and everything. Just natural stuff. And then 
when I said, you know, it was quite catchy, you know, alliteration and things. Mm -hmm. So I said it to my publisher when all this, well, as part of my proposal. And she loved it. She thought, that will be great. That will sell. (laughs) So I think, uh, but then, Mm. you know, and then I became known as the clean cake girl and hence clean cakes. And I suddenly, and then there was this big backlash Mm. and I didn't, yeah, I sort of felt I, I would sort of say, talk to people about my book. Clean, it's called Clean Cakes, Delicious Patisserie Made with Whole, Natural and Nourishing Ingredients and Free from Gluten, Dairy and Fine Sugar. So I think that's another thing to do with sort of the whole media thing to mm. do free from is a lot of the time it's sort of advertised by these beautiful, <laughs> gorgeous young women. I'm not saying I am, but that's <laughs> I think that's what sort of made people think, oh, it's a gluten-free brownie, it must be healthy. And mm. it's not really the point so I think that's how the whole sort of clean word got a bit misconstrued and just sort of but for me it was never I do understand it was never meant to sort of mean clinical food or anything because the rest my recipes (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think and that's I think also because I have I am a pastry chef and I have worked in kitchens for a good five years and work for myself for a good sort of seven years you know work for amazing chefs like Sky Gingell and um at the Lanesboro and lots of, and some Italian chefs um and I know what good food should taste like I, I do feel I I should be confident and say that <laughs> um and I think even though you know these are this brownie for example doesn't have any gluten or dairy and people might automatically think it's really tasteless or something Mm -hmm. it is actually incredibly tasty and I use these ingredients because maybe to start with it was for customers perhaps who were wanting this stuff but then I suddenly realized how flavorsome they were it's sort of do you see what I mean? I do. What I, what I can um, sense is you're trying to kind of tread this line yes, and between I was... what sounds like for you an exploration of alternative ingredients Definitely. that were kind of off the kind of beaten path of your, your, yeah, yeah. your training mm. and a desire to kind of get people to be more familiar with those, mm, yeah. which actually coincided with exactly. something else which actually was a a bit more sinister to be honest yeah maybe not intentionally so but you know that these sorts of things got co-opted and certainly the word clean yeah got co-opted to mean exclusive and um excluding Mm. of of certain things Mm. um so it's quite interesting to to think to hear how you're trying to manage Mm. that and and i did always feel like whenever i introduced my book to people i sort of i mean i'm guilty of it with giving a slice of cake to someone I always sort of have to apologise for something like oh I cooked it for two minutes too long or something so when I say introduce my book I say but the clean just means nice and nice and natural and pure and it's nothing extreme I always sort of Mm. and I don't but then again I see the whole you know because you do look at look up hashtag clean eating and it is like you know some steamed spinach and an egg which is fine but you know, or just a bowl of raw vegetables. Yeah, or a chicken breast with some steamed vegetables. And I, you know, fine if that's what that person wants to eat, but I, I certainly understand how it's got, it has had the, other connotations. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I never, you know, the recipes in my first book are love, sort of 
you know, like a blueberry and lemon mousse cake, and it's sort of good stuff. And <laughs> it sounds like you, you actually feel a bit sad about being misunderstood. Or a little bit, yeah. I mean, even with my next book that's coming out, I still, I, I it comes out next tomorrow week. Um, it's called the Natural Baker, and even with that, I saw, I sort of think, oh, what people, what are people going to think of the word natural? Does that mean? But I do so what's use unnatural baking? exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> again, you know, I, I can't just say to my publisher, "This is the title I want." You know, it's sort of what they think and mm. what's what they think is going to sell. I think natural is a much better word than clean, um, but again, it could still be easily misinterpreted mm. by people. Or but this. My second book, it's, you know, for me, naturalist is just sort of you no know, preservatives or colourings or sort of um, extra flavourings. It's just, and it is sort of slightly going back, you know, I use what, if I need to sort of make the texture a bit lighter in a bread and I feel like 100% whole grain flour is making it a bit heavy, I will add a bit of white flour. It's not sort of demonizing yeah a more processed food yeah no definitely not and i yeah it's hard (laughs) i think it really is hard and i think it's worth saying that because i think um i think it would be easy for people to make an assumption of where you're coming from based on the Mm. titles yeah yeah and and actually knowing you a little bit (laughs) you know and we met in the markets and we can talk about that um knowing that you do eat broadly and you do you know eat what people would consider normal foods yeah yeah and then it's not about um just some sort of extreme instagrammable mm. kind of diet where you're trying to align yourself with some particular uh, exclusionary diet i think it's important to to be able to say that but also to recognize that it's a difficult balance because there's an argument to be made that perhaps you did benefit from the clean eating. Yeah, this kind is of true. Craze, if we can call it yeah, that, because yeah. it, it fit into a certain bubble yeah, at yeah. the time. Yeah. And, and maybe you rode that little wave a little bit, but equally, on the other hand, there mm. is there was the backlash and there is the kind of balancing of what it really means and is it a complete explanation of how you cook and eat and Mm. that sort of stuff Mm. so I think I think the next book is certainly more of a reflection of although yeah Uh (laughs) uh-huh when or when I were I've been very yeah I've had an eating disorder I still probably do I think um and sort of borderline anorexic um um, so since I was about 15, my weight has gone from very, from very underweight to then being told by the doctor to go back to your normal weight and then not being happy with just being a normal size, which should be quite fine. Um, then, you know, losing it again, you're underweight, put it back on. Um, so I suppose in a way also this first book was, you know, it certainly was sort of listening to my customers, but maybe it was like I say, everyone does see these women saying, this is how we should eat. I'm eating this. I'm I'm slim and healthy. And, you know, you can't sometimes help but be affected by that. Mm. So I did, I suppose, in a way, this exploration of... I think I, I'm very... 
it's very good that I discovered all these new alternative ingredients and I but I pro- it probably was slightly a way for me to also eat like that cut out gluten and dairy because I thought that would make me thin or something mm. um but I and I think that this second book um even though I am still slightly neurotic about my eating um which is uh, uh people might think is a bit odd when you're a chef but I think you know I think a lot of chefs um a lot of people have spoken about it um it's you know if you're surrounded by food all day it's really hard like you even you were saying to find somebody who has a healthy mm. relationship with food is very rare these days um and I do think a lot of chefs do you know if you're food is all around you constantly you're either sort of nibbling on it all day and then you suddenly think oh god I've been doing that all it's just very mm. it's quite hard to it's, it's quite yeah. an unnatural food environment isn't it? exactly so constantly surrounded by that yeah and first of all thank you it's very That's... brave of you to say that um <laughs> and and to talk about that and and yes we were talking just before we started recording about how I certainly think that whilst not everybody is, has an eating disorder, that rates of disordered eating, mm. where people are eating to a restrictive plan, to they are counting calories, where they are eating to time, where they are trying to go until they are very, 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 very hungry before they allow themselves to eat, where they feel like they have to compensate for eating with extra exercise or extra restriction. I think that is incredibly common. Mm, yeah. um, and that absolutely someone with a relaxed relationship with food where they just go, hmm, what do I fancy? Yeah. And yeah. eat that without trying to quantify it or justify it is incredibly rare. Mm. Um, and so I would imagine that if you take that kind of attitude to food into an environment where you're constantly surrounded by it mm. and constantly working with it that it becomes quite difficult to yeah. try to hold on to a sense of normality yeah. with your eating yeah. in in that situation and also sort of just in those situations as I was saying you're working such long hours you sort of even if your stomach might not be rumbling loads you're probably just really tired and just mm. want some sort of some form of sugar or just something um, which might then make you feel more tired I know but (laughs) it's it's yeah it is hard but as I was saying the first book so the other thing I bought is a another is another sweet thing (laughs) my second book does have savory recipes (laughs) um plug (laughs) you can edit that um (laughs) but um so the next thing is so it's not it's it is actually dairy free it's actually vegan um because I found, I just, I enjoy experimenting, whether that's vegan baking or um, using different ingredients. I think, you know, I think different cuisines, whether it's cuisines from all over the world or whether it's raw or whether it's, you know, vegetarian, vegan, whatever, I think there's room for it all. And that's what I think sometimes... You know, it's maybe uh, it's hard to say that and sometimes it does have this message underlying that you know eating that is gonna make you glow and be amazing or whatever but it's 
I do, you know, I, I think this cake is delicious in its own right, whether it's vegan or dairy-free or... Mm. It's actually got a whole grain spelt in it, which I use because I just... Has a nice, it just gives it more depth of flavour, mm. I think. Um, spelt is delicious. Yeah. Um, and then it's actually just made... So I boil up figs um, and then mash in bananas, a bit of apple puree. So they're the only sweeteners. But I think, again... Just with not oversweetening things, I found that's plenty. And then it's got lovely sort of mixed spice, cardamom, and some big chunks of 85% dark chocolate. Um, so that, and that was probably when I, so the next book is a bit more relaxed. And I do feel, hopefully, <laughs> that I've become a bit more relaxed about my own eating. And I'm not sort of, you know, I definitely wrote clean cakes when I was also sort of not eating gluten or dairy. Um but I, I suddenly, and then I sort of went through a bit of a vegan phase and <laughs> I did, I, I would say burnt out. I think that's slightly a bit extreme and I'm sure other people have been more tired, but I, I think I'd done sort of, I had, I had a week of a lot of cake orders and supplying a local shop with my macaroons and then doing a farmer's market and sort of trying to be vegan um and I got home from this farmer's market surrounded by you know local producers who had lovely um cheeses cheeses and yeah and (laughs) some friends uh rear longhorn cattle and they had lovely um oh god what's the stuff you put in bagels and you know oh um salt salt, yeah Mm -hmm. delicious salt beef and and I was yeah restricting myself all these things I wasn't you know the the meat the any uh produce uh meat poultry that I would eat you know I knew my parents are my mother has help in the garden sort of once every other week from a lovely local man who would always bring us pigeons and things you know for 50p and we grew up on pigeons and pheasants that there would be an endless supply of in our freezer <laughs> so a chicken Kiev from Tesco's would be a massive treat um so you know if I was going to eat meat I knew it was locally sourced and you know free range if I was going to have eggs I knew it was like the same flowers you know vegetables from our garden but I was restricting myself of all the you know gluten and dairy I wasn't allergic I'm not allergic to them why was I suddenly cutting all these things out mm. um and I did I got home from this market and I was shattered and I just craved butter there's also a raw people who make raw delicious raw milk and butter locally as well so I was craving butter eggs and salt beef <laughs> and I ate them and I just felt so much better and I thought what am I doing why am I doing this and you know just I think that's another thing with eating disorders your brain is just consumed by thoughts about food and weight and well me sort of how much I was exercising things and there's so many more worthwhile things we can be thinking about um and especially when a lot of the world doesn't have food I think the fact that we have it you know we should treat we should treat it with a lot of love and sort of celebrate it not restrict ourselves things that bring us joy and happiness and I think food it has such an effect on how we feel and bringing people together. I'm crying a little. <laughs> it's okay.
<laughs> you suddenly realise how much you're missing out on. Exactly. Yeah, and I definitely sort of sometimes avoid social situations because I was worried about what the food was going to be or things like that. Um, then I'm not quite sure what sort of was the clincher that made me... I don't know. I think... If I might... Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think what's really striking is that moment where you recognised what you were craving. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because so much of eating disorders is about denial exactly of any kind of feeling whether that's an emotion i think we need to understand that there's emotion underneath eating disorders that it's Mm. not all about food and body image that's often much more deeply about self-esteem and how we feel about ourselves but there's a huge very often a huge um value put on the ability to deprive oneself you know Mm. like it's an Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. achievement to say no or yeah. to hold off or to restrict and that's where the kind of issue with things like clean comes in is is mm. because it seems to advocate restriction yeah. but this I think it's an in, enormously important moment in this t- moment this time when you come home and you're tired and you think this is mm. what I want yeah. yeah and to respect yourself enough to be able to allow yourself to have it mm. and to think that just your desire for it is enough justification to have it. It doesn't mm. need to have a special exactly. nutritional power yeah. or anything like that. Well, have I done that exercise? Can I eat this? Or <laughs> just, I think, I haven't read Ruby Tando's new book yet, Eat What You, eat what you eat Want, up. Eat Up. Um, but it's about, you know, eating what we want and I think that's so important and um it just yeah it was amazing I mean it's it's amazing to publish a book full stop and I still sort of yeah I think I'm still a bit anxious about the book coming out next Thursday and hearing everybody's reactions until I'm sort of people say oh you must be so proud but it's like 
it's sometimes a bit of an anticlimax. <laughs> you know, you've been with these recipes and writing them for about a year, and then you get and you know doing the fo- cooking all the recipes for the photo shoots and doing the styling and is you know and then suddenly you receive this copy and you know you've seen it all <laughs> you've seen the photos on the screen there's a bit and I don't think and I have other friends who another friend she's called Miranda York she writes the most um beautiful um annual magazine called at the table and the second copy um I I only knew her when she published the second one came out um and people said she's we were both talking about it and she said People say, you know, you must be so proud and everything like that. Are you pleased with it? And I don't, it's not really until I hear other people's reactions. You know, I've tested, however many times I've tested the recipes or given them to friends to test. There might still be something, someone might have a weird oven and they might say, this isn't working or it took me half an hour instead of 10 minutes or something. So it's not until I actually, I feel like I hear the reactions of other people that I'm going to, fingers crossed be proud <laughs> but I feel no I'm definitely proud of it but um but it's an anxious time yeah definitely probably hence a few tears before <laughs> and just a bit tired but um I think the first book despite the sort of slight underlying <laughs> controlled eating around it I I'm very happy I sort of discovered all those new ingredients um and I'm really happy about where it sort of opened up my baking but the second book I really you know I was craving these things you know butter is a really wonderful fat and a really good thing and you know it's delicious it's It's great in baking (laughs) why am I not using it so the second book is just a bit more uh yeah broader and just you know sometimes it's coconut oil because I love it's again it's really about the point I'm, I think, natural or clean, they were never, or it's never meant to be anything extreme. I just pick these ingredients, really, because I love their flavours, and I think they make very delicious things. And the reason why I cook is because I love to create these delicious things and bring people joy. I think that's what food is really about obviously sustenance um but and some people you know I've had a very close friend who was completely uninterested uninterested in food even though you know when I said to him he was a lot older than me his family friend sort of early 80s but we had this sort of we were sort of kindred spirits I was about 18 when I first met him and he was a sculptor and I remember saying to him I want to be a pastry chef and he just thought it was the most sort of very sort of minor thing. He said I, he said he wanted me to be an explorer. <laughs> I, was, I can't remember. Yeah, that would have been nice, but <laughs> um, so you know, there are some people you, they they do just see food as sustenance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But I I think that for other people, especially chefs, and you know, like you, you love mm. food and. I think it can just bring so much joy and the reason I love it is just the way it brings people together and that's sort of what I, why I do it and that's why I eventually want my own restaurant. And again, with that, it's not, it's, not, it's not just the food, it's the whole atmosphere. It's, you know, beautiful tablecloths and everything like that and good service is incredibly important. <laughs> so you, you 
Actually, two things. Um, yeah. You've been talking so much about the cake. I'm, I'm just that. going to eat it now. So, <laughs> I don't um, have any breakfast. <laughs> and so you knew from a very young age that you wanted to go into food. Is that right? Yeah. My parents, like I said, we grew up in this wonderful place. Um, and... Um, it's good, right? <laughs> um, that's made also made with chocolate that's made in Suffolk as well from oh, wow. Pump Street chocolate. Um, but yeah, my father he he's lived a lot abroad, and he is a real sort of gastronome, 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 gastronaut, gastronaut. Yes, <laughs> yes. Gourmand. Or gourmand, yeah. <laughs> He loves food and he's a great cook. Some, yeah, I'm sure my mother could relate a few mishaps in the kitchen. Too much salt or trying to salt beef or something, things like that. But um, he definitely, they inspired me a lot. And we, he is a bit of a Francophile. He speaks fluent French and has lived in France as well. And we'd always go on holiday. <laughs> We'd always, Kimberly is eating other cake. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've tried to do it quietly. No, it's so Carry on. Carry on with your story. We, um, often holidays would be in France, whether it was the Dordogne or other regions or Paris, maybe. Um, and food would be such an important part of it, you know, going to the bakery in the morning, getting lovely mm. fresh baguettes and croissants. And so I was definitely, they, yeah, just seeing them cook from scratch every day and we'd you know eat together as well which I think is so important um and happening probably a lot less these days um so I knew I wanted to do something to do with food but I never really knew I wasn't I was also very studious major geek <laughs> so I did I did languages for my A-Lip I did German French and German French and English art up to AS levels because I love art as well and I think that is that's another side of my patisserie but I think that's really important and then I I think I'm quite a sort of gentle but or sort of I think I'm a a lot less shy than I used to be but I certainly didn't think I would definitely want to stay on at school to do my A levels I certainly didn't think after them I could go move to London and go work in kitchens so especially you know after television programs like Master chef or whatever when you see I suppose in a lot of kitchens the stereotype is unfortunately real <laughs> and there are these there's long hours and things but I think a lot more and more so you know they're treating their staff a lot better and having proper rotors and not just working until everything's done until about two in the morning or things so I think kitchen environments are getting improving a lot but um, I wanted to go to university first and I did French and Italian and that involved a year abroad. So I spent five months in Bologna and five months in Avignon. I know France and Italy, especially France, you know, it's known for its patisserie. So I think that was sort of the clincher to to make me realise. And I, I think I wanted to do pastry rather than just go into the... I don't really, I still don't really know like, the normal side of the kitchen, I'm not really sure. But the hot side of the kitchen. The hot, yeah. <laughs> um, I think because, again, this sort of artistic side, which I think I've got a lot from my mother, who she's an artist and a ceramicist, um, 
She has an exceptionally good eye. She loves colour and um, so I think I got a lot that side from her and I think with desserts and patisserie and you know you know you see afternoon tears with the tears of afternoon tea with the tears of cakes and everything looking so beautiful and I think because of my artistic side and because of wanting to make things look as beautiful as they are to look at as they and as delicious as they are to eat that made me want to go more to the side of patisserie I think you can be a bit more elaborate with it as well although these days mm. chefs are doing all that foamy stuff and <laughs> I think, and you know, the probably the savoury things are often in you know very high class restaurants are probably just as beautiful as the desserts nowadays. But um, I think that's what, yeah, a lot of factors. And I think that is something that's very striking about your baking, though, is how beautiful it looks, and there are flowers everywhere, <laughs> and everything's beautifully bright, and um, even your choice of plates when we were at the market. Yeah, it seemed kind of very well, kind of thought through to, to really elevate and, yeah. and show off what it was. And there was something quite, I think, you know, again, you know, as you said earlier on, absolutely, I think food is. Well, anyone who listens to the podcast knows that I think food is important. <laughs> um, but that it is something, it, it is something beautiful as well, and yeah. it is something, particularly with desserts, it's something to. To celebrate. Cele- exactly. It really is. It's the end of the meal and you want it to be, you know, the big finale and mm. memorable. If you finish a meal on a crap dessert, <laughs> it's really... It's really sad. Yeah. I still have I would a, go a, home <laughs> stomping my feet. <laughs> there was... I recently went to a new restaurant. I wouldn't say who it was. <laughs> but it... And it was delicious and it was exquisite and it was wonderful. But it had made up the same chef. I'd been to his restaurant a few years back and... I was really disappointed with the dessert and I kind of hadn't forgiven him until about two weeks ago <laughs> where he, he kind of made up for it with this incredible, incredible dessert. And I was like, okay, that's okay now. Yeah. Because it, those things do last. There's a yeah, memory definitely. in those food moments and you think, oh, that yeah. wasn't what you said it was going to be. And I do think London's expensive to eat out, but <laughs> I think um, that a factor of that and, I don't know, just being busy... I haven't eaten out in that, not for a while, but so so often, you know, the starter's fine, the main course is fine, and then the dessert is... I think so many places, they don't care it's enough about the pudding. It's afterthought. They yeah. just think, oh, well, we'll I mean, sometimes some there ice isn't, cream. Yeah, a fruit bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes there isn't even a... I mean, I say isn't even, you know, everyone can make a dessert, but they don't actually have a pastry chef, so it's mm. just sort of, you know, some kitchens, they'll all get there in the morning and then... Say, oh, who's doing the dessert? Who's doing? Who's gonna do something today? So yeah, it is a bit of an afterthought sometimes, which I think is really sad. And I, that's I think why I love this. It's part of sort of food bringing people happiness. And I think when it's the end of the meal, you just really want it to be delicious and beautiful and make people smile. Which is and also just I think I've I've sort of realised with these more natural ingredient just more sort of whole grain flours maybe a bit less sugar so you can really taste everything it makes people happy because of all these wonderful flavors and because of all the good stuff in it because i do think we are what we eat a bit and if you are putting you know these lovely 
proper butter and instead of margarine. Not saying that, you know. <laughs> it's fine. If you, have, you know, I, I think all with a pinch of salt and all, you know, it's all about balance. And if you have a burger or whatever, you know, white bread or one day, but then or something else, then another. And I, but I do think that people actually sort of feel. I had people say to me, "Oh, I, I don't feel sort of." sluggish or funny or like I've had a load of sugar when I eat your cake so I feel like I've eaten something that sort of had some good stuff in it and mm. and that's what I really like about these ingredients that I can sort of apply my skills as a pastry chef you know the skill the way I've learned how to layer flavors and how important really great flavors and texture and making things look beautiful is so I can apply them to these less well-known ingredients that people you know, hippies in the 60s and 70s and brown saucepans of lentils and everything. Health, healthy, sort of wholesome, has got this slight stigma of being exactly that, sort of brown saucepans of lentils and not looking not looking like something that can be that refined. or And, and maybe, you know, being a lot of vegetables or and not that tasty, perhaps people have this idea of food that's good for you has to not be tasty mm. but I don't think that's true and no I, it absolutely shouldn't be true no. that's, that's worrying isn't it like, yeah. the only way you can nourish yourself is to make it some sort of punishment exactly sort of labour yeah or... oh that's so indulgent oh but but I think these recipes they've got the whole grain flours but it's also incredibly you know it's got about a centimetre of chocolate oh, icing oh, on top delicious <laughs> Um, appreciate that a lot so yeah I I hope people do see my next book as sort of you know celebration it's really is it's just a celebration of all the ingredients I've discovered since I started baking and it's a mixture of sweet and savoury in the second book yes so there's um, breakfasts which is a mixture of both the sort of banana bread or there's also uh, was that the banana bread we had this morning yes oh my god it's delicious (laughs) it's delicious It was great. Thank you. That's and also the the date scone bread. Oh yeah, the um, sort of soda soda bread thing. Tea bread. Yeah, that was delicious. That's in the so definitely going to be making that. Yeah, they're both two really simple as well, and just simple and quick and yummy and good stuff. Um, and then there's also things like sort of a bit. Uh, oh, I shouldn't say that. It's not strictly baking. It's sort of a. I I think a lot of people are a bit scared by the word souffle so I have a souffle that's just you can do it on the hob and you just whip up your yeah um, you separate your eggs and then whip mix in sort of chives and feta and things it's chives uh, to why would it's a lot of recipe <laughs> um, and then salt and pepper and then fold in whipped egg whites and bake it as you would a sort of normal um, omelette. So it's, oh, I call it okay. a little souffle omelette. Oh, okay. So it's sort of the methods of making a traditional souffle that would go into the oven, but you can do it nice and quickly in the morning. Um, and then there's some caramelised red onion and parsley scones. Mm-hmm. And then there's, then there's, what else? And there's lots of breads, a chapter on breads and crackers. So a lot of savoury there. And then cakes and biscuits. Lunches and suppers, Lovely. which is everything from walnut and whole grain pastry um, quiche with asparagus and taleggio and prosciutto to sort of 
baked gnocchi. And that's another thing I really want people to do. And then the last chapter is desserts and puddings. I wanted it to be just puddings, but the book comes out in America and they have a pudding for them is sort of custody is a, thing. Yeah, I've never, a... yeah. So I had to say, I also think, I don't know, sometimes I say dessert. I, I prefer the word pudding. <laughs> something much more homely. Yeah, exactly. About the word pudding. I'd use dessert for something, you know, in a sort of Michelin-starred restaurant. You know, something with the chocolate spirals and things like that. <laughs> There's not chocolate spirals in my book, don't worry. But So the last chapter is that. Like, this quiche has got taleggio and prosciutto in. But if you don't want cheese or if you don't want the meat, if you want to keep it vegetarian, you don't have to put it in. Or if asparagus aren't in season, use other stuff. So I really want people to really use the recipes um, and see what's around them in terms of what's in season also see what's in their cupboards if whole grain wheat if they haven't got that but they might have spelt that's fine to use as well because they're both varieties of wheat um or just play around a bit maybe you don't have you're lacking 50 grams of flour but you might have rye flour or something try that um so i really want people to make the recipes their own and just enjoy them and Enjoy eating what they make with them, and and hopefully sort of see that baking with these ingredients is really really delicious, and it can be just as delicious, if not more, I think, <laughs> than sort of the classic stuff. But I'll always love Mary Berry and my granny's baking and my mother's baking, and, <laughs> and, and that's fine. I mean, the, yeah, there I can think be room for everyone. We exactly. Don't have to kind of sign up to one tribe, and that's it. We're exactly. The rest of us are at war with each that's other what about I think. and what that's what we can what, eat. yeah. That's what I think. I, I, you know, you know, I love Pierre Kaufman and all the very classic chefs. Not saying that he does this, but you know, and I think you know, there's that wonderful French, a lot of butter, a lot of cream, and everything like that. And then more South Italy with lots of olive oil and everything. And then we've been seeing people eating raw food and sort of dehydrated wakami crackers or stuff like that. Um, I think there's space for all of it and I think it's all really interesting and mm. the methods that raw share, you know, like this morning also where you had the banana bread, I also bought a blueberry and lemon mousse cake but you know, normally a mousse is whipped cream and eggs whipped up as well but this was actually, it's not vegan because it has honey in it because um, I think the honey with the lemon is lovely but, you know, Instead of cream, I soaked cashew nuts and then blended them because they make a, a really delicious cream. And then I whipped up coconut milk, the thick part of the mm-hmm. tin, and folded that in. So it's so, you know, I love a traditional patter bomb when I heat up my sugar to 121 and pour it into my whipping egg yolks and then folding in the double cream and then my chocolate to make a very traditional mousse. But then I also have... It's also wonderful to see these different things, mm. and I think there's space for it all, and we should celebrate all of it. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. And um, well, the first thing is that we will have a copy of the book to give away to yeah. signed copy. Oh, <laughs> but what's also really lovely to hear, and and actually is probably playing out in your books. It'll be interesting to see where a third book might go, but mm. <laughs> but it seems to to track part of your process I suppose so yeah and that this one as you have said describes something more balanced less exclusive mm. and kind of respect for the food as well like actually we're using butter because butter is probably the tastiest 
best ingredient for this particular recipe. Yeah, exactly. Whereas then you, in the next recipe, maybe a non-dairy alternative might be the best ingredient mm. for that recipe. Yeah. But it's not about loading the ingredients with any kind of morality no. or um, particular special powers or anything no, like no. that that we're talking about flavour and deliciousness as well as some kind of nutrient nutritional aspects to it as well yeah and I'm really pleased for you like it's it's really (laughs) lovely like recovery is really hard and especially where perhaps other parts of your life have fed into it or it's it's ended up having a justifying element to it you know that you could have gone all the way down and carried on being the clean chef and it would have just been you and your eating disorder kind of hand in hand I did think at one point when my first book came out, or when I was sort of finishing it, editing the last bit of editing, oh, I should have done it vegan. I should have should have been completely vegan. Mm. Again, affected a lot by a lot of people starting to eat vegan around me. Or mm. yeah, but anyway. Are you aware now of the kinds of messages that you take in from around you around food? Are you more careful about it, or is it just about knowing yourself much more? Like, do you restrict the people that you follow on Instagram, for example, or um, not? I don't really look at them. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no. I probably again, it might have also been you know moving back to Suffolk. I was completely sort of not cut off. I did, but you know, I was there in the country. I could really control myself. You know, I was. Um, I had friends around but a lot of them worked in London I didn't need to go out to a restaurant and eat that I could stay at home and control what I was eating a lot and I did that was when yeah I was looking definitely a lot more at Instagram at these people um but now I don't know I think it it's also with moving back to London and also um really being proud of being a, a chef and being trained properly and being sort of a part of that world and with other chefs and food is something and again you know being able to go to restaurants more because I'm become a bit more relaxed about my eating and also because I'm back in the city and that's just sort of you know I don't can't be a complete hermit (laughs) so um but I think it's being because London the food community is incredibly chefs are incredibly supportive of people and of each other and um, I don't want to be a pastry chef who doesn't eat any of what I make or who doesn't who goes to a restaurant and doesn't enjoy a really delicious pudding but I think that move back to London and meeting a lot more chefs and that that definitely led me to just enjoy food more and you know, go out with all of them and really savour all the wonderful restaurants we have here. And and again, you know, meeting up with friends or having friends over, having friends over some of my favourite things and cooking for them. And it's just and maybe not being cut off in Suffolk, you know, being back in the city and surrounded by a lot more friends or meeting new people or meeting new chefs. I just realised, I, yeah, I, I definitely have realised that. Food is something to be enjoyed and it brings people together and it's an incredibly joyful thing and I don't want to carry on depriving myself or allowing food to sort of dictate um, 
who I meet or whether I go out of an evening or whether I have fun or or just dictate my life really <laughs> I want to you know I think it's very important to have a delicious supper and delicious breakfast delicious everything and to enjoy sit down and enjoy food but also I can't think about food 24-7 I want to think about my friends and my family and you know I've got to run a business and everything like that so I've just realized that yeah I, I'm trying to find a bit of a better balance which I think a lot of us are <laughs> yeah. thank you Sam that's really lovely thank I you so much the <laughs> thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me and that's it thank you once again to Henrietta for joining me and sharing her story Stay tuned to my Instagram account, that's at Food and Psych, for the chance to win a signed copy of her new book, The Natural Baker. You can find Henrietta on her website, and that's Henrietta Inman, that's H-E-N-R-I-E-T-T-A-I-N-M-A-N.com, and she's at Henrietta Inman on Instagram. Finally, if you are affected by any of the issues we've discussed in this episode, please know that you're not alone, and please, please do ask for help. That just leaves me to thank you very much for listening and until next time, I wish you the very best of health. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.